Hey, my name is Augustine Colebrook. I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. My focus is on big picture political movements that are happening within the profession, some of the controversial questions, and centering voices that are not being regularly heard. I'm Layla Wyatt. I am a traveling student midwife, learning midwifery from cultures and a lineage of midwifery throughout the United States. I'm here to center the voices of students to hear their calling, their pathway, why they chose midwifery, and even share a bunch of birth stories along the way. Greetings, I'm Jamara Amani. I am a midwife, a mom, and a social justice activist. I am here to challenge white supremacy, homophobia, transphobia, and anything that keeps people from being their best and living their best selves as we have the human right to do. And I am looking forward to sharing stories of birth justice on this podcast. Hi there, Delmar Dalton. I am non-binary, queer, transgender, midwife, and full-spectrum female. My focus is on increasing access and equity in midwifery care and midwifery education. Hello, my name is Angie Love. I am a community nurse midwife in Vero Beach, Florida, at the practice of midwife love. I also do telehealth midwifery through Midwife RX. I'm a mama, and I am committed to maintaining birth choices for all people and educating a future generation of midwives because we will not die out. Okay, so tell me who you are, where are you, and why did you decide to become a student midwife? Or midwife. So um, my name is Amory. I currently live in London, Ontario. Uh, I just moved from Texas, uh, Houston, Dallas. Uh, a little bit of both. Long story. Uh, uh, long story. We're going to talk about that today. We're yes. going to hear your long story. <laughs> all, all the things. Um, but uh, I've actually always wanted to deliver babies. Uh, Back in the 90s, I uh, was running track for my uncle. Uh, I was 13, so like around 96. Um, there was a uh, reporter to come out and do some uh, interviews with some of the kids that were running summer track. And there was a question like, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I was just like, I think I want to deliver babies. And they were just like, why? And I was just like, well, I'll never be out of a job, right? Because people will always be having babies. <laughs> and at that time, I remember there were a lot of jobs that were leaving states and going overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I remember um, my family wasn't going to be out of a job, but my mother was a teacher and she, or she was going to uh, Kansas Newman uh, to be a teacher. And so it was just like, they uh, also had did a few years before that, I think it was like 91, 93, somewhere around there. I think 90, around that time frame, they had did like this huge pay cut for teachers. And I remember uh, writing a, uh, a letter to the president who was uh, George H.W., and uh, was like, hey, this is terrible. You do know that teachers teach the future. And how old they were you? Are, like seven years old? I was, years old? I was eight. eight. <laughs> so it should have been 91. I remember this very, yeah. very specifically. 
And I was just like, they're better than glorified babysitters. They, some people, some some children are with the with the teachers longer than they are with their parents. And I was just like, I think it's terrible that you're that you cut funding for teachers. Like, I don't think this is going to be good for the future. <laughs> And I got some generic letter back, but right, yeah. right. Emery standing up for teachers when she was eight years old. I mean, well, my life was set before me beforehand. So, uh, so fast forward, I've uh, I've found many different avenues to kind of support myself and have a good understanding of what it means holistically for me to be a midwife, to be very honest. Uh, Sometimes we think about, well, how did you go around the bush, through the bush, over the top, back down to then go straight through to get to where you are? Well, when I think about, you know, my my basis, so my bachelor's degree is in biology. So I have all the pre-med recommendations because, at the moment, at 13, I only knew about, uh, growing up in Kansas, I only knew about doctors. Mm. They're, if there were midwives during that time, which I'm sure that they were, they were not in my community. Yeah. Uh, or they were underground. Vi- yeah. And they weren't visible. Right. So, um, so that's all I knew. So that's what I was striving to become. Uh, only then, um, I would say in... 2010-ish, I learned about midwives in um, in Houston, and that is uh, one of my uh, my cousins ended up having all three of her kids with this midwife, and I had my son at uh, in 2009, and I just had an OBGYN because again, I had no idea, even with living in Houston for three years at that time, I didn't know anything about midwifery, surely didn't know anything about doulas. Uh, and so, you know, when she told me about it, I was just like, oh my goodness, I definitely got to look into doing that. Uh, but, you know, I had a young kid, so I had to work. So I worked. <laughs> And then I went back to school and uh, ended up not going through midwifery because it had um, the only school in Texas was ATM. Right. And um, it was sort of expensive and you couldn't get any federal funds for that. So that means that you had to be able to pay for it out of your own pocket. And I mean... I guess you could say I'm your statistical person. Like there aren't that many well-to-do black women in the world, especially as single mothers. So I didn't have the money for that. So Mm. I went and got my master's degree in public administration. So that way I would know how policy works and how But you got your bachelor's in biology and your master's in public administration because there was available funding from the government to yeah. do so. That's right. And the midwifery school in the area didn't have funding, so that wasn't an option. <clears throat> Just need to like lay that out there for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the the barriers to get to where you want to go exist. Right. <laughs> I'm not. I cannot make this up. These roadblocks are here. <laughs> 
Right. And so uh, I did a lot of policy work uh, in Texas uh, with a faith community, with nonprofit community, uh, with um, uh, Baylor University, No Child Hungry, HHSC, Health and Human Services, uh, the FDA uh, or TDA, um, FDA, TDA, uh, all with a lot of different issues. Uh, but also how though when policies get passed, how it then affects um, people on the ground because one good example, right, is uh, No Child Left Behind, which was right. supposed to be this amazing policy and it looks good on paper, but implementation, it is terrible. Yeah. And children are still being left behind. They're just being, being moved up in the classes. Yeah, they're just being, <laughs> they're just being moved up, but they're not actually changing and educating at all. Yeah. No. And so, it, yeah, so it, it's it's terrible. Uh, and so a lot of policies are like that. Mm. And so understanding that, uh, and then I did AmeriCorps a couple of times, um, which was very fun. And that's how I got into a lot of the policy work and ended up having like $11,000 worth of educational award. And I was just like, well, you know, what am I going to do? And then <laughs> it's been a few years and they're like, hey, it's getting ready to expire in a year. And I'm just like, oh, crap. <laughs> Let me have, let me spend this money. And so I ended up finding a school that actually accepted the Siegel Education Award uh, for midwifery. I was, and so for me, it was just like everything finally aligned the way that it was supposed to. Uh, and I'm now in my last trimester for my first phase. So so which midwifery school did you choose? Uh, Midwives College of Utah is okay. where I'm located because uh, I did not have to physically be there. And there was a, a couple of other ones that mm -hmm. I thought about, uh, Bastyr, uh, and it would be a master's program, which would have been fine because I already have a bachelor's. Right. Uh, but, I, but I'm pretty sure I needed to move there. And moving to Seattle or Oregon were not in the cards for me. So, uh, and uh, the other one was Southwestern Tech mm -hmm. in Wisconsin, I believe it is. And uh, that's an associate's degree. And so I definitely thought about doing that as well. But I think there was time that you had to be there physically for two weeks at a time. And the full-time job that I have, I did not think that I'd be able to kind of like swing that. So I was just like, let me, let me just do this route and um, I should be roughly done in two and a half, three years. <laughs> that's our, that's, <clears throat> that's all of our goals, right? Yes. So not <laughs> really sure if it'll work that way, but Hey, you know, you, you gotta have a plan, right? So I know I, I I'm going to give like our listeners a little bit of um like a in, I know that you're also an ultrasound tech too. I am. Like, yes. Where did that come in in your story? <laughs> yeah. So, um, long story short, because it has a lot to do with other barriers that life throws at you. Um, so I, I got a wonderful job, uh, 
as a uh, budget analyst for the Department of Treasury and I was working in DC and some familial issues came up. And so I had to make a choice of, you know, being this great, uh, having this great opportunity to work right next door to the White House uh, or to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some moms, you know, if they more power to them that they are able to like choose a, a job. Uh, but I, at that time, I could not. So I ended up moving back and I was trying to figure out what was, what was going to be my next thing. And I actually ran across this opportunity called the Health health care pathways uh, opportunity grant and uh houston actually had two of those grants and they were at two different uh colleges and they were uh like lottery grants every two out of three people that applied actually got it and once you got in uh you got to choose whatever program uh that that um community college was offering. Hmm. So I ended up uh, going through with San Jacinto College, which is in Pasadena in Texas. So it's a suburb of Houston. And uh, I have quite a few sorority sisters and friends that are in the medical field. And so I've never liked the nursing model. I don't like, and so I was just like, eh, eh, like all of that is out. <laughs> not uh, nursing. <laughs> Not nursing, yeah, I am I am not into cleaning up behind people in that regard. So I know as a midwife, I'm gonna have to have an assistant because we have to work some things out. You're right? like, that birth tub, not my job. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna need you to go get the fishnet, go, go and get it, just have it again, have it ready. It's That's gonna be hilarious. my job. Sure, a, sure, sure. Yes, yeah. I'm gonna be doing it in a little bit, but you know, once I get to where I'm going to be. I'm going to need somebody else to do that. So, um, so I, I ended up, uh, I looked at surgical uh, tech or, uh, or a sonographer. And uh, once I realized all the different things that you could do with sonography, I was just like, I think I want to do that because there, it's just, it's a plethora of things, uh, right? There's uh, musculoskeletal, there's vascular, there's OB-GYN, there's abdominal, there's breast, there's children, like it, it's such a vast thing. And for me, as you can see, all the things that I've done, right, I, I need, I need different avenues yes. <laughs> to yeah. be able to go. What into. one thing can I learn that I could do 12 things with if I net needed yeah. to? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that is me. And so <laughs> I ended up choosing that. And I'm so happy that I did. Uh, went through that program. It was about 20 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, well, 20 months long. And it uh, is an associate's of diagnostic medical sonography. Wow. And then my first job out was with MD Anderson Cancer Center, which was the bomb, the bomb. So, uh, so yeah, so I actually started my own um, ultrasound business, being able to be a mobile sonographer so I can go into people's houses or go into like small clinics. Uh, I was doing prenatal exams and mm-hmm. uh, anatomy scans and OB limiteds for midwives in Dallas before I left. And so, yeah, um, super exciting to be able to put those two things together. Do you think that you'll keep that 
like as oh. you move into midwifery, you know, like because yeah. one of the things that we see a lot in uh, community birth all around the country is the desire for your need for your first trimester ultrasound and then your 20 week anatomy scan and if desired, your third trimester ultrasound. And there's a lot of, um, I, I really want to say fear with midwives on re- the right referral because you go to the yeah. wrong referral and they convince the client to leave the midwife because their baby's too big or, you know, and it's like, so midwives are really kind of fearful on who do we refer to our ultrasound. And so like, like as an example, in my community, we have this one uh, ultrasound technician who comes to your home, right? Like Helen, what you're saying comes to your home, does your anatomy scan and, and, and then calls the midwife afterwards. It was like, yeah. Here's what I saw. Yeah. Okay. They have a little bit, I would say like, they didn't do that much practice breathing, but it's fine with me. You know what I mean? Like that's the relationship that most of us right. are looking for. And so to be able to like carry that into your practice, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, so that is one thing, uh, that I'm actually really excited about because <sighs> Not that the birth world is saturated, but, you know, sometimes people um, have a type that and or or like they like this is my area, you know, like. Yeah. So you have to like stand out in some type of way. You have to have your niche, your, your style, your thing. And if you add that into your practice as part of your acumen. Yeah. So I, I think for me, that is what it will set me apart from mm-hmm. everyone else is that like, I, yes, I am an ultrasound. I mean, yes, I, I'm the midwife, but I also am a sonographer that has a radiology group that reads uh, my scans. So mm-hmm. so you're going to keep uh, those like separate as far as like checks and balances go, but you're going to do yeah. scans. Cool. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and that's also for my, my, my sanity to keep my, my, um, my license as well, because if someone mishears something that I say, then they can come back and then my license as a sonographer could be taken away. So for me, I can, I can talk to the radiologist, right. And I can, once I see the report, I can also be like, Hey, like, I need you to go back and look at this. Did you see this? Yeah. Would you like some images? Like, what are you thinking? This is what I'm thinking. Let's mm. put our hands together. And, you know, and then, you know, they ultimately have the final say, but with the information that I will have as a midwife and then yeah. all the information I have as a sonographer and me being uh, certified in uh, OBGYN, which includes high risk, uh, but not MFM, which is maternal fetal medicine. Uh, like I'll be able to, I like, I know all the bad stuff, right? I know how to see it. <laughs> and I know if I need to refer, if I do need to refer a client out, right? Like, uh, and what that looks like. And so I'll be able to build all of that in. So well, I mean, yeah, right. It's totally a leg up. Just the other day I was with a midwife and we're using the butterfly just to like take a look and make sure baby's head down. And she's teaching me how to like angle the probe. And I'm like, how do you know where the head versus the, I mean, like it's just laying down. That's all I see is it's laying down. She's like, no, there's the uterus. I'm like, there's the cervix. Okay. Right. So you have this advantage. And I'm not saying that 
I'm not saying that in our birth community, you need advantages because that would mean that we're against each other. Right. But let's be honest. <laughs> right. Like, let's be honest. Yes. Let's be honest. I Those don't listening think- birth is cutthroat. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to be very honest, like it, it is as, because there are humans involved, it is no different than like, if there were two law firms that were doing the same type of law in a city, you know, you know, they want everybody to come to them. And so my, even though it's not possible, it's not, it's it's, not possible for us to take every client. It's not. And so like, (laughs) That's why it's, it's just, if, if I can explain that to people, you, you know, what's interesting is that when I was doing policy work mm-hmm. and doing work with nonprofits, you had so many nonprofits that were overlapping mm-hmm. and doing all the same services. And I'm just like, hey, you're doing this zip code and they're doing this zip code and you're doing A, B, and C and they're doing B, C, and F but like nobody's doing D and E. Like, can we, can y'all work something out to, and they were just like, no, this is, and it's Mm -hmm. also, you know, not only were they not necessarily willing to like do something different, but a lot of times their funding Mm -hmm. was geared to them doing certain things. So, you know, when we when we get taught the same things and we don't keep an open mind and uh open and and open up the the ability for everybody to feel comfortable we kind of be like we kind of like this is my lane and I gotta stay in this lane and if somebody gets in my lane like I need to literally run them off the road yeah and it's just it's 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 crazy it's too much and well, yeah. we'll get into that a little bit more and no listeners can hear other students talking about their preceptors and this um, like feast or famine or this like, uh, you know, feeling like we have to fight for patients when we really don't. But so I think yeah. I can put the, or, and I think we can all like listening, put the pieces together on why you chose MCU because you had this education award, right? And so PEP was kind of dumb, I guess, because you couldn't we- apply the education award to PEP, right? No. Yeah. No. And you already have a master's and a bachelor's and associates in these different things. Um, I mean, all in the wrong order, but you know, who's totally, but why MCU over, uh, birthwise or an MI or in national college of midwifery? Like why did you choose MCU? So MCU didn't not I didn't have to move anywhere. I could be totally distant. That was the first thing. So the other schools also, so some of them also did allow for, for the, um, the scholarship award to be used, but I had to move there. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, I couldn't move. And that was like the biggest thing. But then I looked at MCU's like guidelines and code of conduct and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They're saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. Now, people say one thing and do something else, but uh, <laughs> at least it, it's written down and uh, they are trying to uphold those uh, rules of conduct, but 
um, everybody has to be upheld to them, not just the students. So, and, and you know, to be very honest with you, uh, I don't know a school that doesn't have these problems. Uh, I've talked to or have seen on Facebook or in different platforms uh, that uh, students are leaving many different uh, schools and um, MCU to be included. And so there wasn't, there isn't a school that I haven't seen that people are deciding to leave. No, and I mean, you and I have talked about it. Like I've done the Venn diagrams and the Excel spreadsheets and the pros and cons list. And I've sat with every single process, right? Like PEP, Meek, CNM, if I'm doing Meek, all the schools and like kind of like the cost and the time and the which, how many states am I going to be legally able to practice in? You know, and all of those things. So you really have to put together the right thing for you. And it's not the same for everybody. Yeah, you know, and I actually did look at CNM too, right? Because uh, um, there is something about what the United States society has deemed as acceptable education mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be able to do things, right? And so um, I did look at CNM and um, but I would have to do like a bridge program to become a BSN, which would take a year, which meant I had to be on campus. And again, I could, I I can't leave now. Maybe I could do a year, right? Anyone could probably get away with a year. And uh, for the most part, the, 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 uh, masters of, uh, nursing would be, uh, distance could be distance and then you could find a preceptor wherever you were as long as they were accepted um but I don't like nursing and (laughs) I was just gonna say you just told me earlier the model of care right like that the medical model of care didn't apply and that and um that's what I hear the most when interviewing students and and I mean for, for you guys listening, you know, you've heard me probably say it a thousand times. Like, I just can't imagine trying to get over the brainwash of being in a clinical placement in the hospital. Like it's because yeah. it, it can be brainwashed sometimes, like regardless of me being like, I'm not going to be that midwife. I'm just going to let the placenta come on its own. Well, your hospital's policy right. is 60 seconds. And, and your, you're fired. And also your, your physical reaction after doing that for so long is also going to be that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think about the training that I got from when I was in the military, that's still there. Uh, the reason I can get up in the morning, whether I want to or not, as early as I need to, with as little sleep as possible and be able to like be ready in five minutes is because I had to do it for so long, Mm. you know? Yeah. It's ingrained in you. And so if you work in a hospital setting as a CNM under your clinical care and you come out and you're like, I'm ready to start a home birth practice. It's ingrained in you. Yeah. And and hopefully you've had a little bit of home birth practice, Mm -hmm. because if not, you're going to, I think you're going to run up into a lot of difficulties because 
the things that you're going to be expecting, the level of response and things. And 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 the hospital has a whole staffing scaffolding. Oh yeah. You know, well, I mean, think, just think about it. I think you uh, and I were talking about it early in our in our time, but like, you know, neonatal resuscitation as an example. Home birth neonatal resuscitation versus hospital trained neonatal resuscitation are yeah. very different games. You don't have a wall section, okay? You don't have four nurses on staff right. helping you with this resuscitation. You have one right. bag, oxygen tank, and an assistant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like training in these different fields are very different. So, okay, cool. All right. So you said you're at the end of your first year. Yes. How long is MCU's program? Uh, so it, it varies, right? Um, so I think if you go straight through without any breaks, the way that they have it set up, uh, it's a little bit over four years and it could, t- and you have as long as like seven and a, and, and a third year to do it. So, um, and you and do get a bachelor's, in, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bachelor's degree. Okay. So they work in quarters. I mean, they work in, uh, trimesters, which I feel like a regular semesters. It's a semester. It's yeah. a semester. My husband just, laughs at me every time. I'm like, it's a trimester. Uh, He's like, how many weeks is it again? I'm like 15. He's like, and how many are there? Three. He's like, it's a three. semester. Yeah, it is a semester. So that's what I was, I was just like, mm. like I think they just granted, trying to be cute. Yeah. Granted you like, you could do, you could take more classes in a traditional college in the summer, right? Because they have many more mini semester type things. Mm. They, but, but if you, if they didn't offer a mini semester, it would be from the summertime would be from uh, after, uh, it would be basically right after Memorial Day to like the middle of, uh, or the first week of um, August. So the summer is a little shorter, but the okay. semester, semester. The same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how long, so you mentioned that you're in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And you moved from Houston. Why did you move? So my husband is clergy. And so he finished his PhD in philosophy and religion uh, and comparative studies. And so he uh, was an ordained minister already in the United Church of Christ. And so he went to, to look and see, because uh, at that time I was just working um, as, a, as a sonographer. We, we make pretty good money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, but you know, he, he doesn't want like me to be the only one that's working. He'd actually prefer me not to work if possible or whatever I want to do. Like, and if that brought in money, great, but if not, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's, he's dreamy in that aspect. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for all of the feminists out there who are like disagreeing, but like, oh, yeah. it's so dreamy. It's, it's, it's <laughs> me but like I am not the person to sit at home I know. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah um but uh and so he started looking for work and it just so happened that the only church that would like really consider him to be uh since he is a young pastor uh, and a lot of the churches like wanted someone that had like 10 20 years of experience and you know he had seven and so they you know they didn't 
like really give him a chance to interview him or anything. And uh, this church here, First St. Andrews United Church, uh, gave him a shot and they interviewed him a few times throughout like two weeks. And uh, yeah, they gave him an opportunity. And so we moved the whole family up here. So you mentioned you were at the end of your first year. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the way that Midwives College of Utah sets up their years and preceptorships and therefore where are you going to be precepting and how did you choose that person? Yeah. So, um, so MCU sets it up where that first year that you're in, or you're in your phase one, whether that takes you one, two, three or more uh, semesters, uh, you don't have to have a preceptor, right? So you're just, you're going through, you have to have so many observed births, you know, do a few other things, but you don't have to be physically under a midwife. They kind of just want you to like get the feel of how the school is going to be, how classes are going to be, and then start looking into the birth world. Like you also have to get your NRP training. You have to do a doula training, though you don't have to be doula certified. You do have to do like a training in the aspect of doula. And, and then do uh, like your 10 observe births, right? Births, yeah, yeah. And so, and then you have like a list of classes that you have to take and you have to check all those off. And so in that last semester that you're taking at MCU, that's in your, you have to do a um, integrative assessment test and it's skills test. And so it's basically uh, seeing the skills that you need to go in to be a midwife assistant to make sure that you have learned those throughout uh, this time. Now, I find it very interesting. I'm not sure without having a preceptor how some people would actually get these skills or even learn how to do them. Um, Another thing that I hardly ever bring up or tell people until they ask or I'm trying to get like in my foot in the door is that, you know, I went to school and I became a medical assistant as well. Like as soon Mm -hmm. as I got military, like I did that. Uh, because I already had, I was a lab tech in the Air National Guard uh, as well. And so um, I wanted to get that certification like on the on the civilian side, because it's so different. And so uh, like, so venipunctures, IVs, suturing, blood pressure, all, you know, vitals and stuff like that. I'm very well versed in because I, I did that program. I had to have an externship but I can, you know, I can do it today. Like, you know, every now and then every blue moon, there's an opportunity, whether I'm like serving the general public, volunteering my time, helping out with veterans, uh, hurricane season in Texas, right? There's always shelters that are in need. So I've done a lot of that. And so because I have done some of that, uh, I already know how to do this stuff for my integrated assessment. And so, uh, so like now we're like, but uh, I, like one of my classes, uh, we just did a prenatal visit. And literally, if I had not actually been around midwives, I would have been 
feeling on her belly, not knowing anything that I'm feeling for or doing outside of reading it in a book, which for me does not compute well because I'm a kinesthetic learner. Right. Uh, so yes, if there was like a math problem, I could read the math problem in the book and then do it. But to say what I'm supposed to be feeling for and stuff, Mm-hmm. yeah like so what you're saying is like they say you don't need a preceptor in phase one but you should be around midwives you should yes. be able to call up a midwife and be like hey i'm supposed to do six ivs this term yeah yeah can i come over yeah if you need one or so, yeah or palpation so yeah. i totally forgot to bring that up right it's like so one of the class is an iv skills class that i took over the summer and so you do need a limited precept if you don't already have a preceptor you do need to find someone that you can follow and yeah and that can be like a nurse or an emt or it, a midwife could, but still yeah yeah so you there are certain people that you need to have to learn these skills because it is an online school you don't get that after school, right? Mm-hmm. So like when I was uh, doing my uh, medical assistant, like venipuncture is like we we did on each other. So all the practicing, we had multiple uh, students to play with. There. Yeah. Yeah. And teachers there to, uh, to look at what we were doing. We had to, we didn't suture each other, right? Because we're not going to mm-hmm. cut each other and, and Big lidocaine in, you know, like that's a lot, but we'd suture chicken skin, which is mm-hmm. hard than a mug. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there, you know, there's just different things that uh that you miss out on yeah. being in an online school, but then there's other advantages too. So yeah. Uh, so as you head into phase two, where you do yeah. need to be with a preceptor, where have you found one yet? So let, let me back up real quick for right before I ask, answer that question, because that's a pretty short <laughs> answer. <laughs> so I, I was able to find an amazing organization when I was in Dallas. Uh, I reached out to, because, before I even knew that we were going to be leaving and coming up here, because mm. I, I didn't know this didn't happen until like July, that he got the job and we were going to be moving. So, but I started MCU. Uh, I knew I was going to need like a preceptor uh, back in like February. Mm-hmm. And so I started reaching out to everyone. And Dallas has quite a few. Uh, like, I want to say like they're one of the largest hubs of, of uh, midwives. I know for Black midwives, like that's mm-hmm. where it's at. Uh, and so I reached out to so many people and it was just like, either they had students, they, uh, uh, they weren't able to be preceptors because you have to have been a, uh, a midwife for so long or right. had births. And so, uh, and then some people just didn't respond. And so I was actually a little defeated. Uh, and I was just like, well, dang, this isn't going to be easy. And right. And so it's just like, this is the teacher in me mm-hmm. like how do I become a midwife if nobody is out here wanting to help and it's just like the only way that they were able to become midwives is because somebody helped them like how do you not pass that on now yeah. I know everybody's not good teachers so right there's that so, uh, so yeah, so I ended up reaching out to doulas. And so 
uh, very specifically, I ended up, well, I, yeah, I just reached out to every doula, but I did reach out to every Black doula that I could see mm -hmm. in Dallas because I knew that um, they would, that someone would look at me and, or hear me over the phone and, and possibly could tell that, you know, they could help me, right? And I ended up speaking to three different doulas. I met with one of them. She was amazing, great, gave me a lot of good pointers. Uh, I emailed with another one where I was going to do backup work for her. Uh, but she was also in midwifery school at a different school. But, in, but she ended up just stopping her whole doula business because it just yeah. got to be much. And I was like, sure, I understand that. And then another, the other uh, postpartum doula reached out to me and was just like, I need to hook you up with this um, with this clinical director at this health women's health services. And she's also a midwife. And I was just like, yes, please. <laughs> Uh, so that happened to be a by uh, women's mm -hmm. health service in South Dallas. Yep, um, and it was that was my tribe, mm -hmm. and I say that that was a whole vibe. I don't want to I don't want to take that away from my native side, uh, but I guess I should be able to say that since I am native. But th they were they were my people. Um, it was a safe space. Uh, they, I, I gave because I'm just a, a very giving person, uh, but I gave to them and they gave me so much in return. Um, they definitely pushed me to get my business going so I could do that, uh, for, uh, for ultrasound. I bought a butterfly, yep. uh, on a shoestring budget. I'm glad that you <laughs> have it though. You have it though. Yes. Yes, and I actually might be getting it. You might a, not have a Doppler, but you have an, a, a butterfly. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, I can do Doppler on there. So uh, yeah. there is that. Uh, uh, but I also might get a 3D, 4D uh, machine as well if I feel that it will be beneficial. And mm -hmm. uh, so far, I've heard from a few of my neighbors that said, yeah, women would want this. So yeah. you might want to look into doing that. But that's like an $18,000 investment. Yeah. Uh, but let's, let's wait until you get out of school and you're a midwife and you have a business, then yes, 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 yes. So I ended up at a buy. There were multiple um, midwives that were actually helping to uh, see clients there. Mm -hmm. And so one of those midwives became my IV uh, mm -hmm. preceptor and she was already like God just, God comes through. Okay. The creator is amazing. He, not he, uh, the creator knows what you need when you need it and shows up right on time. Let me tell you, you have a plan, but the creator has a plan for you. So she was actually already, uh, a, um, mid MCU preceptor certified. So I didn't have to do anything extra uh, she came in, we did IVs. I had some IVs, she had some IVs, some other midwives needed some practice. And so it was like four of us all there together, just practicing on each other. Oh. Got my video done in one, in one swoop. I got uh, four of my six sticks done, uh, five of my six sticks done in one day. And then we did a different day. I mean, it was boom, boom, pow. And I was I was done. Uh, but that 
place was amazing. I also learned about prenatal uh, Leopold's Mm -hmm. maneuver there. I learned so much that I wasn't even ready for academically, but I was sitting in the prenatal rooms. I was listening to the midwives talk to the to the clients. I was listening to the midwives talk to each other, bounce off ideas, talking about, uh, you know, if there was uh, any uh, any protein or uh, other aspects in the urine, if the blood pressure was a little high, what did they think that they should do that would be naturally that, you know, you can move into, have, you know, have them look at if there were any herbs that they should take, you know, what should they drink at night before bed or when they wake up, you know, just all these aspects to a lot of the questions that we get asked about in class that if I'm just reading the book, I have no idea how to even kind of scalpel through. It's kind of like It's kind of like the design of midwifery education with that apprenticeship model in like PEP, right? It is PEP, but the apprenticeship model, um, and really like, to be honest, Sam, like your ancestors history of midwifery, right? Passing down birth knowledge through story, through voice from mother to daughter, to daughter, to daughter, is really an amazing way and the best way to learn to care for birth. If if I had that opportunity, I would be golden. Like that is like, I literally learned how to work on my car or work on anybody's car, change oil, all that stuff. I literally can watch a YouTube video and then do it. Yeah. You know, like I am visual audio and then get in there and and do it. So like, yeah, we're having to balance that in most States, you can't get licensure unless you've graduated from a meek accredited program or past the norm, et cetera. And so, you know, the way of learning midwifery as it used to be is no longer accepted by the patriarchal medical industrial complex. Right, because we have to find ways to keep people out, wait, certain people out, right? We we kicked the people out that were doing all the work and we said that they were not skilled enough, though we had no idea what we were doing and many people died because of that. So so yeah, it it sounds like when you think about it, like way back in the day, nursing also used to be just on the job training mm-hmm. becoming a doctor was also an on the job training it was an apprenticeship yeah. so school is a business mm-hmm. <laughs> just like with a lot of other things right mm-hmm. uh but yeah so i actually uh found out two weeks ago that i can have a preceptor in ontario so i am <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I thought I was going to have to like, I thought so too. In Detroit area, I'm I'm two hours from Detroit, uh, or an hour from the Port Huron border. So super excited that I don't have to do that. But now I have to search for a preceptor. Yeah. And, um, Canada is 
still very much so on lockdown versus mm. the United States. And so I have not been able to, to speak to any midwives as of yet about the possibility or what it looks like. So I've left messages on like their answer machines. I can't just go in because mm. like, even if you have an appointment, like people that have appointments stay in their cars until the midwives are ready for them to come in. So again, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just can't go into, you know, their <laughs> office, sit down and chat with someone, which is kind of what I need to do. Yeah. Uh, but uh, graciously, and again, another connection that's so, so good. Um, there is a midwife in our church that is still practicing so I finally got in contact with her so I will be speaking with her over this weekend to see if there is anything that she can do you know for me point me in the right direction talk to her colleagues because what I have found is because midwifery is a uh, because Canada has government health care right uh, Midwifery is also covered under that government health care. So midwives are actually licensed to give birth uh, or to assist in birth at hospitals, at home, in clinics. So uh, okay. they have the full range. Uh, and so, but they, they work in groups. So there's five uh, midwifery groups in the London area. Um and then I'm two hours from Toronto. So there's like other groups that are like closer to there and into Toronto. So um, what I found out is that if there is a need for Canadian midwifery students to be placed, that comes first uh. before, before myself. But if they are, uh, what I have found is that there's this, there's one group that has literally 22 midwives in that group, in that practice. So there is a shortage of midwives and there's definitely a shortage of black midwives. So there's in Ontario's uh, province, there are nine, there's roughly a thousand, a little under a thousand midwives. Uh, and How big is a province? Well, Ontario, like, I believe, is the biggest province. It's very, very large. So it's kind of like, um, so, so Canada, I think, has like seven provinces, but like they kind of like run up like this, okay. right? Okay. So they're okay. This, so it's to be the like, consideration of like 10 of our states yeah yeah easy okay. easy like and like, and and they don't have a cnm credential it's like a midwife is both home birth yeah. or hospital so you yes. would be attending hospital and home births yes yes interesting yes okay and I, from what I gather, you're about to start phase two, which means like you have to have a midwife in these classes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're like yeah. kind of under the gun as far as time frame goes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping, you know, I, I will, I will be knocking on everybody's door mm -hmm. to make sure that it happens. Right. But, you know, I, I, I don't, it's something, I just keep the pressure on. I just keep yeah. calling until people, you know, answer or call me back or, or what have you. That's all you can do. So, you know, I'm hoping that with talking with 
this midwife over the weekend that uh, it had just, it had set me up, right? Because I've talked to a couple of midwives that are uh, retired, but all they can do is just, you know, yeah. get me in touch with those that are currently practicing. So, uh, so that's where I am with that. So are there uh, any other MCU students in your province? Yes, there is okay. one. She's actually getting ready to graduate. She is in Ottawa, which is like seven hours away from where. But at least I- there's an example of the possibilities. Yes. Yes. It's not. Okay. And there's another, uh, there, there's quite a few Canadian, uh, Canadian midwives at MCU, but each province is different. So there's a, there's a lady in Saskatchewan, but that province does not allow Canadian midwives to precept international students. Mm-hmm. So I was just blessed seriously uh to to be in a province that does because otherwise I would have had to like have a a Airbnb or like some apartment or something where I would be there for three four days out of the week to try to get my get my Mm -hmm. clinic stuff done so so you did finish their observes though Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that I want to hear is a birth story. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it can be any type. It can be type of birth where like you learned something about yourself. It can be something where there was like a skill that kind of just like you had to learn on the spot or you learned about yourself or, um, or something you that still sits with you emotionally. Yeah. So I would say the most consistent thing that continues to sit with me is the horrible United States healthcare system, right? Uh, I'm not sure if Canada's any better that is yet to be seen. Um, but the pressure that is placed on birthers um, is, is, is utterly ridiculous. So I have two very recent births that happened at the beginning of September. One with a black mother, one with a white mother. Um, and, um, and I called them mother because they called themselves mother. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both pressured to give birth and to stay in the hospital and to be still and to take all the drugs and to, uh, if the drugs weren't working in a, an amount of time to, um, to think about doing a C-section mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, and actually, and, and the, the last one should have, she should, she wasn't ready. Her body was not ready. Right. She should have went home. And, you know, I encouraged her and I told her, I was like, you can go home if you want to. And she was just like, well, they, it may, they're making it seem like they really need me to stay. And I was just like, it, you're not, be, because you're not progressing with all the things that they're giving you, you know, like, I don't think it's, it's I don't think your body is, you're the bad, you're not ready the your body's not ready. The baby's not ready, but they then they decided to just go in and break her water. And 
Yeah, it it was, she felt rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, she went in for like a, a scheduled, um, um, a scheduled appointment and like her doctor wasn't even there and her doctor didn't even deliver the baby. Right. Uh, and she had literally ended up, she paid this doctor out of pocket because, um, the insurance that she had, she no longer had. And, uh, but this baby, but this is her third child. Uh, but this doctor had delivered her second baby. She just remembered it very different than Mm. this time. And so that was, uh, traumatic for her and Mm. it was traumatic for me. Uh, and you know, I just told her, I was like, I, I just, I just kept trying to empower her. And every time that she asserted herself to say, well, she thinks she's just going to go home or she doesn't have the birth bag together or the, you know, the, the hospital bag together. Uh, somebody needs to pick up her other kids from school. Uh, her, her husband or her fiance, um, like, is at work and he doesn't usually get off and she's the one that's usually doing this and he doesn't know when can he come and, you know, <laughs> there was a whole bunch of no's and this can't happen and that can't happen. And the baby wasn't in distress or her Mm -hmm. blood pressure or her proteins or, you know, like what was, what was the indication to stay? So I think she initially went in because her blood pressure was high Mm -hmm. and then it went down and it was normal and then it stayed normal and it stayed normal and it stayed normal but they were just like, well, we just think that it'd be safer for to go ahead and get the baby out now. And so I had a situation where my blood pressure was really high. Hers was not as high as mine. Mine was 205 over 103. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they were just like, uh, put her on this pro- protocol. Yes. Magnesium drip now. Yes. Like- yeah. And they did that, like immediately call the high risk doctor. Like you are stroking any second now. I was hungry. You hear me? That's all I could think about was that I was so hungry. And you're on like mag soul, like. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you can't have anything but liquids. And I was just like, I'm starving. It's so funny. My husband's like, you know, the word is hungry. And I was just like, but when I'm. But when I'm past hungry, it's hungry, okay? Hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry on my way to hangry, okay? It's, I'm, I'm closing loops. I'm about to add a tail, you know? Uh, but yeah, so, um, but hers wasn't that high no. and it came down yeah. and it stayed down. So we have this white coat syndrome situation sometimes too, where birthing people are in their doctor's offices and they go in and their blood pressure is like 140 over 90. And then they're told what this means and they get even more nervous. And then it goes 145 over 91. And then it's even more scary. And so they go in to do an NST or a BPP or just to get checked out. And then the whole time that they're in the hospital is perfect. Yeah. Gorgeous, perfect. Um, you know, that's pretty common yeah. that you saw, you know, and that you were experiencing. And of course, we usually don't see that in community birth. We usually don't see that when they come into the to the office. 
that is calm, that gives them tea and sits with them on a couch and talks for an hour and is their good friend and talks and sips and just, um, you know, yeah. so you may or may not run into a lot of that in midwifery, but you got a sneak peek of yeah. why we need more of you. Yes, most definitely. The second one was a week before that one. So one was born nine, one and one was born nine, seven. So it was busy first week of September for me anyway, being that I wasn't, I'm not in a preceptorship, right? Yeah. Uh, not doing anything, uh, but just looking at these, doing these observes. And so for <clears throat> this one, this, it was actually time for baby, but uh, she really wanted things to be hands off. And they just did not want her to be walking around, to be in the stairwell, to um, not be connected to an IV pole. Um, it was just so much resistance for her to just labor the way that she wanted to. Uh, I did get to use my hands a lot with actually both of them, but more with uh, the... Um, my nine one baby, um, be, uh, just because I was I was just physically there, and it was kind of like um, one was like comfort measures because it was soothing, and the other one was comfort measures because this is a very crazy situation that we're in, and I don't want you to become more stressed. Right, keep your blood pressure down. <laughs> yes, yes. And this other one was just like, we're going to have this baby. This is going to yeah. be glorious. Where are you hurting? Let me, let me touch and put these healing hands on you. Um, <laughs> and so like that one was, it was different. Um, interesting. I did not see any difference in medical response from the nurses uh, because of the race. Mm -hmm. Now, I actually expected the black mom to be for them to be more aggressive with her. Mm. And to be very honest, I think because she was a lot more assertive and was just like, uh-uh, I know, I know my, my body. rights. I know my rights. This is my yeah. fourth child. This, this is what is I want. Her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And no. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you can't, you can't kick me out for saying, no, I don't want an IV. Mm -hmm. You can't kick me out saying, no, I'm not about to sit in this bed for no reason. Yeah. I need to get this Mom! baby out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but what, what is challenging about that story that you give me is that this woman had to almost become a stereotype in order oh. to get what she needed. Oh yeah. Yeah. She had to be the angry black woman right? She, she could not just be like, she, she had to assert and like, not like one time, like, no, I don't think I want that right now. I'm going to do this instead. It was like, they still came in every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Where are you going? I need you mm -hmm. to stay on this floor. We mm -hmm. need to be able to watch you. You're not watching me <laughs> when you go sit your behind behind and, and look at the monitors loud talking and everything's beeping and ain't nobody getting up to choose to to check anything so please 
Yeah. So it, it was, it was basically, I'm going to tell you how to do your job because yeah. you're not doing your job. And what you're not going to do is force me to like do something that's going to stop my labor. I know what I need to do on mm-hmm. my fourth child right. to have an easier birth, right. you know? So it was like I was saying it, the, the, the pressures were the same, mm-hmm. the, the inundative of you should do this and you should do that. And we need to do this and we need to do that. It, all of those things still got done. And one was just, was different pressures. Yeah. Different pressures, yeah. but, but yeah. you still had to see Everybody, someone have to advocate harder for themselves in order to get what they yeah. wanted. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and so, you know, my, my nine, seven baby, you know, I, I talk with her cause she's my sorority sister and she's just like, I should have listened to you. That's, that's mm-hmm. what she said to, to go home. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I told her, let's go. Let's go. You're not in late. You're not, you're not at risk. Well, yeah, fine. Let's go. Like we can just walk out. And if something happens, I will, I will come and get you myself and bring you back. Yeah. I don't want to catch your baby in the car. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's not, I mean, I've, I've, I've caught a baby at the barbershop that, that right. was that I could probably do this. No. When was this? Oh, um, so <laughs> this was in 2012. <laughs> I was actually going to go get my hair done. And I was just like, where is this ambulance going? Like, it's just getting closer and closer. Like, are we going towards each other? And then my friend uh, who I, does my hair calls me. He was like, where are you at? I was like, I'm almost there. I'm like, not, I'm like around the block. He was like, hurry up and get here. Um, so-and-so's having their baby. I was like, what? I was like, I'm around the corner. And I was like, is that where the ambulance is? I hear ambulance. He was like, yeah, they're on their way too. So they must have got lost because I swear they were right behind me. I could just hear them. So I get there and like the baby's already coming out. And so I'm just like, I need clean towels and, you know, get me some foil. And um, uh, if you got some, if you got some, um, if you got some, uh, some uh, uh, hair yarn, give me some hair yarn. And so uh, for the cord, because I mean, at this time, I didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have to uh, keep it going. Yeah, sure. Leaving, not clamping the cord. I didn't know that you, that that was a thing, right? Because now that I know, right? Sure. Better, better. But I was just like, okay, so, you know, got the baby out. I was just like, all right, I'm going to put the baby. I knew about skin to skin though. I was, I knew about that. So I was like, put the baby on you. I tucked it in on her shirt put like a couple of towels over, put some towels underneath her, was wiping her up. And then I tied like one area of the cord and I tied the other one. And he was, um, my, my friend was just like, do you want to cut the cord? I was like, uh-uh, I'm not cutting nothing. It's tied. Uh, the ambulance can hear any second now. And they, they, they did. And I was just like, she has to be able to birth this placenta at some point in time. That's going to be on now. But uh, so, yeah, so it, it was very interesting, right? Because they didn't want to give her a birth certificate in Houston. <laughs> and that was my first, and she, she's, just a, she's just a regular black woman. So- Wait, wait, fact, what's a non-regular black woman? An immigrant black woman. <laughs> okay. 
So, and, and, and I got, and yes, the person is black, but I, I say that to get into this sure. thing, Texas sure. is doing the story right? of the birth certificates, right? That makes total sense. Absolutely. Yeah. She's so, not here to have a baby to have in America. So that baby can have an American, right? I hear you. Okay. Yes. And so they've actually stopped giving birth certificates for women that are immigrants in Texas. So the mm-hmm. fact that she was an American citizen that just happened to be at the barbershop giving birth to a baby, they made her go through 10 hoops. So I had to sign an affidavit. His mother, who was the barbershop owner, had to sign an affidavit that she was there. Our, our beautician had to sign an affidavit that he was there. Uh, she had to go back and find out who the EMS guys were that came that saw the baby, that her placenta was still inside of her, so clear and, and attached to the baby. So, you know, like how how would she, I mean, Houston is six hours away from the border. So, you know, and 45 minutes away from the port, but like- Proof that no the baby way. was born on American soil. Oh. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, and then come find out my other sorority sister in Georgia ended up having her second child on the way to the hospital because she lives in a rural area of Georgia and she had to go through the same thing. She had to get the mile marker that it happened at, get the time, uh, say how And meanwhile, you have people free birthing unassisted everywhere all the time, but it is hard to get a birth assistant, a birth certificate. It is hard. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they hire doulas just for the witness. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, luckily her husband was in the car with her, but like, if, wow. if she was driving herself, like. Well, you definitely can't drive and birth the baby at the same time, but. <laughs> I mean, she'd just pull over, right? I yeah, mean, they pulled yeah. That's why she had a mile marker, but you know. Dang. So where do you plan to practice when you're finished and when you're graduated? Uh, so I'm pretty sure we'll still be here. Okay. So I, I plan, I, I still plan to take the NARM, mm-hmm. uh, even though it is not recognized in Canada. Okay. So it really should not be the North American Registry for Midwives. It should be the United States Registry for Midwives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then I will do like a nine-month bridge program. So that way I can be a registered midwife in Canada. Got it. So if you are a CPM, meaning you've graduated from either PEP or MEEK and you've passed the NARM, you can then do a nine-month bridge to practice in Canada. Yeah. I actually don't even have to take the NARM to oh. do the bridge. I, I'm, t- excuse me, I am going to take the NARM just in case I ever, we, we yeah. come back to come back. Day. Yeah. And so if okay. I come back, like, I don't want to have to then get into like diving deep and trying to that remember all the things. So totally. if I take it right mm-hmm. after I'm done with all my academic and my clinical stuff, everything will be fresh. I can then, you know, move over to do this bridge program. So what's, what's your ETA? How long? To be be done with absolutely everything? Not including the bridge. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking, well, I was thinking that I would be done 
maybe summer 2023. Uh, but the way that MCU schedules their classes uh, and, the, and, and in which order I have to take them or because like some things require a prerequisite and, and so um, I might have to, ex I might graduate probably December, 2023, but I, I, I really don't know. I would say sometime in 2023 uh, because of when classes are going to be afforded. I have been told that I will be able to have like a high course load because mm -hmm. I've been able to prove myself that I can handle such. Um, and so, you know, just kind of really depending, but the, as a lot of people have said, that second year in your assist phase is very heavy because there are a lot of classes that you mm -hmm. have to take uh, as well. Uh, and so there are, um, there's also classes you have to take and have a priest and, and be under a preceptor. So my whole second phase, I, I will probably have uh, just two, two semesters that I am under a preceptor. And then okay. the one, the, the last one, I won't have to be. Okay. Uh, but again, it all depends on what's available for me to take. Yeah. So yeah. that, I think that part probably like sucks the most mm -hmm. is that uh, what would make it easier for me and then there's some classes that I also don't have to take. So that that does kind of shorten it a little bit for me. There's like three classes I don't have to take for phase two. Um, but th there's this one class that kind of like stinks it up and it, they don't allow for any uh, uh, congruent classes to be taken together. You know, it's just like this one midwifery prenatal care one is like, the the class that you need for seven classes and i have no idea why you need this one class before calm right we'll see so, how it goes when are you that, scheduled to take it next term yeah or you're in take, it? yeah no so i'm taking it next term i so if i would have if i would have found all this out, i might have been able to take it this fall uh you know maybe with some with some um but you're supposed to have everything done uh with phase one before you take that class so i mean who knows so you know it's just one other curveball thrown into the into the bat and but like you, know, you said you may not gotta find it. a way you're gonna have it it's oh, all yes. gonna work out oh, it yeah, is all, all gonna work out yeah so what advice would you give a new student looking into becoming a midwife so I would say to them to know how you learn, like make sure you know what it is that you need to learn best. Um, and don't let anyone tell you, don't let anyone limit you. If you need to take a break, if you need to take less classes, do that. But if you want to go full force and you have the support to do so, don't let anyone say that what you can not do. So that would be my thing. And, you know, if this is what you want and curveballs or brick walls get put up, 
find a way to hit that ball out the park and to knock down that brick wall um, because your your life is on the other on the other side and what you want you go get it don't let anyone tell you that you can't get it because you can makes me think about lost episode don't tell me what I can't do you remember that yes that's right don't it's true if if so many have people have told me what I can't do oh Emery Mm. this doesn't make any sense you you're doing this and now you're doing that and now you're gonna do something else like why are you doing all these different things none of like they all make sense to me and they all scaffold me and hold me up and so when someone comes into my office and they're, they're in need of some type of resource, I probably will be able to guide them in the right direction yeah. where I'm not going to have to run around and call 15 different people. I'm like, no, you need to go talk to this politician, bring up this law and tell them how it's affecting you. Very precise. Yeah. Because yeah. I have that background versus... Uh, call United Way 211 and see if mm-hmm. they can help. Like, Gross. no, we're going to call this organization. We're going to talk to this person at this organization. Uh, and actually, let's call them together right now on three way. Damn. Right? Damn. So, yes. Because I have a personal relationship, you know? So, like, it's having that network. Yeah. So how can people find you? Where are you on the Instagram, the Facebook, the Cash App, the Venmo? How can people support your journey and follow your journey? Okay, so you can definitely follow me on IG at Radical Burst. And that's going to be actually uh, R-A-D-I-C-L-E underscore Burst, B-I-R-T-H-S. And, um, my, I don't, I just have a personal page on Facebook and I usually don't add people there because I'm I'm pretty vocal on that. Uh, And that might rub some people the wrong way, but I'm a black woman and I have black boys. So you can only imagine how I feel about life. Uh, and so you can take that as you will, but if you would like to support me and help me because, you know, I had no idea that so many things come out of pocket for midwifery. So uh, having all the birthing things, uh, getting a stethoscope, getting a fetoscope, getting a Doppler, uh, getting a scale to weigh the newborns, uh, getting the blood pressure cuff, uh, getting the, actually all of your equipment by the time you're doing your primaries. that's probably close to thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. Yes. And especially with things that expire and so you have to re-up. So yeah, all of that comes out of your pocket. There is no extra funds for that. Nope. So my Venmo is at A-S as in Sam, C-O-L-L-I-N-S. And then my cash app, is dollar sign Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S, Houston. Perfect. Awesome. So we will put all of this information in our show notes so that everyone can find you, follow you, support you. And we can't wait to look out somewhere near 2023 and see you graduate. Yes. Uh, (laughs) 
Lord willing and providing, I, uh, yeah, you will, I will have CPM behind my name. And I plan yes. on taking the arm one time yeah. and passing it on the first time That's right. and moving right along. That's right. <laughs> and anyone in the Ontario area, if you hear and need a student midwife, here we go, right here. Yes. Collins. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.